Hello, everybody. Um, thank you for listening. I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who's listened to the first episode so far. It's been very interesting to see what it's like to release a podcast, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah, it's what, been what, really what's interesting. What's your main take with podcasts, BB? Um, I guess uh, maybe it's an insecurity thing, but I thought given that there are so many podcasts out there that um, people wouldn't really respond particularly to it. I mean, because it seems like there are so many and whatever. Um, I felt anxiety that it would seem like we were a bit late to the party or we were just copying other people. So it was really nice when people were very warm and enthusiastic. Cause it, oh, I so guess do it, you listen to many podcasts? I do. Uh, I only have a few that I listen to. I'm not somebody that s- seeks out new ones actively. My our brother, Jamie, he sends me podcasts occasionally and then I'll listen to that for a few months. Mm. Um, I don't tend to reach out for new podcasts. So I guess I just I thought, I assumed everybody was as stubborn as I was. So it's really nice to see that people are like warm and receptive yes yeah Alfie when he wakes up in the morning he has notifications about which podcasts are coming out he goes to sleep listening to podcasts that's cool he listens to the same Liverpool football podcast every night Mm -hmm. um I generally look seek out people that I like who have been guests on podcasts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I have um never really been a loyal follower of any one in particular Mm -hmm. so yeah we are quite new to the podcast world, aren't we? And I think maybe the fact that we don't know too much about it is helpful because we're not coming in with like a bunch of uh, like preconceptions about what it's supposed to be. We're just like basically chatting. I think. And we don't know how unsuccessful we are. Oh, truly. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. This is like a we're in a bubble. Yeah, it's Thank great God. to be oblivious, basically. Thank God. So, so I'm sitting on a pregnancy ball. The reason is... why we look so different height wise is um, because I'm sitting on a chair and Jesse's sitting on a pregnancy yoga ball. It's meant to enable labor. Mm-hmm or enable enable engagement of the baby in labor. Mm-hmm. And I am now quite far along in my pregnancy, so labor isn't too far away. The baby isn't engaged yet, though. Do you know what that means? No. It means when the head is down in the vaginal area. Wow. So usually you can tell when the baby's engaged because your bump suddenly becomes a bit like... Lower. Lower and mm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't got there yet. And... I am starting to think about labor in a more serious way. I think I've decided I want a water birth. So you have that in your birth plan? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's no point in having a birth plan, but you, if you want a water birth, you have to say that's something I would like if everything went to plan. If, 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 if nothing happens, so there's no like disaster and it's not a risk pregnancy, which it hasn't been so far, then I can opt for the birth center and have a water birth. And I just thought it'd be really nice. Although what? it does make me kind of like really worried about what, swimsuit I would wear Mm. surely you wouldn't be wearing a swimming costume well this is the thing so many women give birth naked I just can't deal with that I just can't I guess it is already already pretty exposed you might as well try and retain any kind of little shred of dignity that you can have left well it's weird because with with both Donnie and Margot I wore a huge um old woman's nightie Mm. but it was like retro and cool yeah um, so I thought I'd wear that again, but it was actually, I remember giving birth to Margot in the height of it and being really worried that my outfit choice was going to affect the birth because they had to keep wasting time hoiking up my 90. Aloha Hawaiian nighty. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, imagine if I've like done something bad that mm-hmm. like, you know, because it was a distraction for them and they lost time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm going to do that again, but I don't want to wear just like a, a bra but why would you want to give birth in, in water? <laughs> well, I want to give birth in water because I just think it will be a bit more like, apparently it eases pain. Okay. Um, the other funny thing about 
when I gave birth to Margot, I had a full Brazilian wax. Like, so I hadn't, is that, no, Hollywood. Like, mm-hmm. no hair whatsoever. Why? <laughs> well, because I thought, because I just was, you know, it was like, I don't know. I was weird. Anyway. You I, wanted Margot to come out and be like, Mama was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, the midwives and the doctors looked at me like that I was... That was like, horrendous, what I just said. I'm sorry. <laughs> they... <laughs> The doctors and the midwife looked at my vagina like it was the first vagina they'd ever seen without hair. Mm. So I was quite like, guys, come on. They were taken aback, clearly. They were really taken aback by how bald it was. Mm. Anyway, so I'm thinking of doing that again because mm. I think it did make things clearer. Yeah. With your sure. vagina. You yeah. can see things more clearly. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I'm doing that again. Great. Um, what what else about an a bald vagina? <laughs> okay. So um, You really don't like this discussion, uh, do I don't, you? I don't like talking about um, vaginas. No. Um, I didn't like talking about vaginas either, but I think it's important that people do talk about Sure, vaginas. not because I think there should be any stigma, and I think that they're all wonderful and beautiful and whatever, but I also find it funny and embarrassing. So. I, d- I just find it difficult when women say they're beautiful, though. I'm sorry. I think it's an interesting divide in feminism, where it's like one half of people think that you should be completely open and embrace everything about female sexuality, um, which I do believe in, but I don't necessarily think that means being crude or like talking about things that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise say in order to try and prove some sort of a point. I don't think I'm more of a feminist if I'm like talking about things in a particularly unladylike manner. I know yeah. a lot of people don't agree with that like idea. No, it's, it's very on your age group right now because a lot of, you know, there's a lot, people are much more open about talking about things like masturbation. <laughs> like, and you know all of that like um vulvas <laughs> which it's I feel much more open it's like a daily vocabulary mm-hmm. now which would have just been so so shocking when I was your sure, age like sure, it wouldn't sure. have maybe I'm maybe I was very sheltered but like it is very, we're much more open now yeah and I think that there's a place for it because it does destigmatize, and I don't think there should be any shame around female sexuality but at the same time I don't think in order to be like a valid female who believes in equality that you have to um, talk about things in a way that like makes you feel uncomfortable because no. it, personally for me it's just like it's not something that I do like to talk about no I, but I, I like don't think anyone like... likes to talk about it but I think it's just something that comes up I, mean, I think some people do really like to talk about this podcast. I think that you enjoy talking about your vagina <laughs> no we haven't I don't I genuinely don't I also really don't like saying the word vagina nor do I but what other word is there it's really hard and it's really hard with Margot to like say what it is. Mm-hmm. So we call it a mini, but then she just says it all the time. Yeah, she, she does say it all the time. She, she talks- is going to be one of those people that loves to talk about it. <laughs> it's really, really worrying. She's going to be a big feminist on Instagram in a few years. She is, I can tell. Anyway, so... so what, are, what else have you been up to recently? So I found my diary, which mm-hmm. we talked about in episode great two. great news. Um, but I've been so stressed with writing my book that I haven't really been as fastidious about documenting every single thing that my kids do in my diary in the last few days and it does make me feel slightly off kilter Mm -hmm. and I do find that when I am more disciplined about writing my diary I'm a better writer so I think I've got worse and I think my book's gonna be worse for it do you think that um, most novelists are fastidious diary writers well I recently read a book which I gave to you and I think you've just ignored um, called Negative Capability. I've been reading that. It's really yeah. good. Well, it's a bit like um, she's out of our age. We wouldn't usually read somebody. Uh, it's a story about a middle-aged woman. Yeah, I um, really like reading. Right, I like. Sorry, I really like reading writer memoirs. Although I quite often really enjoy the memoir and then read their fiction and, and don't enjoy it nearly as much. Yeah. Oh God, there's so much fiction I really dislike. But then you read about the writer's life and you're like, oh my God, you're fascinating. Yeah. So I prefer knowing that kind of thing way more. I, I just I like it when I feel like I'm getting to know the writer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this writer she writes about her journey as her novel is rejected by her publisher. Mm-hmm. 
and she writes kind of the journey of getting that novel rewritten in order for it to finally get published and then goes through kind of January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, yeah. um, with like details of what's happening in her life as she's also trying to rewrite this novel. It's, it's really interesting, but why did I bring that up? I was saying that because do you think that writers are diary enter- diary think, writers? I don't know. It definitely is, I because the nature of my book is very confessional anyway, even though it's fiction. Um, it's just natural for me to also write natural honesty or whatever about my life in, it, that's just the, the way I write. I, I, I can't imagine people who just sit down and write creatively mm-hmm. for like about imaginary things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find that amazing. Didn't we also once talk about, because I got loads of questions um, uh, on Instagram, people asking about your writing process, the creative process in general. And we've spoken about that a bit before. But um, I think lots of people are interested as to whether you're somebody that views yourself as like a natural writer or somebody that you have to put a lot of work in. What do you do when you hit like a roadblock? Because I definitely we, we think... discussed that it's really annoying when people say that they just like, the writing just poured out of them. Because I don't mm. really think that that's how it works for me or for you. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a mixture of both. I definitely think that I am a natural writer, but that doesn't mean I'm good. Mm-hmm. My my natural inclination is to sit down and write about how I feel or write about things that happened. Mm, I don't have the same interest in writing about, like I would have no interest about writing about sci- sci-fi mm-hmm. or, um, you know, fantasy. Mm-hmm. So there are different types of, natural writers I think my instincts have always been there to write down everything I feel Mm -hmm. since I was very very young but the thing is I think this is something that uh I have to now really consider with this book coming out next year because it is a novel and people would assume that I wouldn't write a novel I think but because of Harry Potter and being in Harry Potter that is the first thing that people will forever say about me and um, that's amazing and I'm incredibly grateful for what it's done for my life. But at the same time, it does mean that my book... Why are you smiling at me like that? Because I just remembered um, that article that I sent you recently, uh, Daisy Ridley saying um, <laughs> that she can't get cast in anything after Star Wars. <laughs> and then the thing is, I get it. And it's like, I imagine that the stigma for that must be kind of difficult. It does carry her around. She's always going to be Star Wars actress. But at the same time, I read that and I was like, fuck you, Daisy Ridley. <laughs> We could talk a long time about Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley, I've yeah. seen her on the train so she many times. She follows BB. She, she follows me around. Daisy, stop following BB. Stop following me around, okay? okay? I saw you on the tube. You were wearing a little fedora, and I thought it looked cool. <laughs> you don't. You would not suit a fedora. Can you imagine? No. Who suits a fedora but Daisy Ridley? But wow. I feel like fedoras are saved only for famous people. Like mm-hmm. I saw a man walk along the street the other day in a hat that Pharrell Williams wore, you know, they're really tall ones. They're really funny ones that look like they're floating on top of your head. Yeah, and I was just like, he must be famous. Yeah, exactly. He must be famous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm, I I find it difficult to accept that about Harry Potter and the the branding that I'll always have, which is nothing in comparison to the, the lead actors, obviously. But it does mean that this book will go in the category of a celebrity even though I'm obviously not a celebrity, but, you know, a minor celebrity mm-hmm. writing a book. So Harry Potter actress writes, Harry Potter actress does. That must be kind of difficult. Yeah, to... so Harry Potter actress writes a novel will go straight into a category, a category people, which I don't think minds. the book is. And mm-hmm. So in terms of my effort, in terms of writing the book, which has been 
life-changing you know this is my main project and has been for a year it's been building for a couple of years Mm -hmm. um I've always wanted to write longer form and consider myself a writer before anything else yeah so the fact that (laughs) the book is going to be probably put into a into the category that I really wish you know I'm not saying oh I think it should win a man booker prize because obviously I'm I'm nowhere near that kind of caliber of writer but at the same time it is kind of like amazing that it's going to be deemed as something that you can't you don't have I can't control. control over yeah yeah so that's hard because as I finish the process of writing it it's like where is this going to go mm-hmm. and what's it going to do and who's going to read it but do you now put the effort in to try and um, change people's opinion of you? Like try and make them see you as something that's not a Harry Potter actress? Or do you accept your fate as being what you are and try and be the best of that? So I think what I'm going to do is accept that it's... I'm not going to spend five years writing my first novel mm-hmm. like, to make it the perfect novel and the best the, that I can possibly make it. Obviously, yeah. I want it to be the best that I can possibly make it, but in terms of a deadline that I actually have and a life that I still have, you know, so many different things to do and on top of the babies and stuff, there's just no way that I can spend years working on one thing. Yeah. So I think I've accepted that when it's released, it will be put into a category and hopefully people enjoy it, but that's the best I can do. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's really interesting, but I hadn't thought about that until this week. Mm-hmm. I really just thought, oh, I'm, I'm writing a novel and that's like a, a cool thing to do mm-hmm. and people will hopefully read it. I didn't mm-hmm. think about the, the marketing or the... Why like, people pick up books. Why people pick up books. Because mm-hmm. to, to be ge- genuinely honest, if I saw a book in a bookshop that was written by a celebrity, I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm not picking on that. Yeah, because it just you assume that it's trashy. Because it's not that it's trashy, but I'm just like, oh, this is their next thing that they're trying to do to make money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rather so, than this is their calling in life and this is what they should have been doing from day one. Yeah, it's difficult to convince people that because you're Because I am authentic. a novelist, BB. Okay? I know, I know, I, am, I know. I'm an authentic novelist. I've, I've read, I know, I, I know. I've been a novelist since the age of five, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. That is in my blood. Mm-hmm. Novels are in my blood. Mm-hmm. I remember you made this like um, bound together illustrated uh, novel when you were a teenager and it was really, really beautiful. It wasn't a novel, it was just a cartoon. Yeah, but I, I viewed it as a novel. Thank you. It did have a lot of words in. Mm-hmm. Donnie um, is started to stay up with me sometimes at night and do his little drawings. Mm-hmm. And we, I was trying to show him that a drawing isn't immediately good. You have to rub stuff out and make it good. And that means sometimes you have to do 10, 15 versions of the same drawing. And I was trying to explain it for my shop and how I eventually put a print on sale. Because he wants to, he was like, I can sell, I can sell a, a card too, mummy. And so as an exercise, I got out an old sketchbook and I showed him the drafts of a drawing I'd done. And he found one from when I was at art school. And do you remember my drawings at art school were like all with ink and mm-hmm. they were a bit more fancy. Mm-hmm. And he saw the drawing and he was like, mummy, you've got so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that didn't go down well. But I think I have got worse. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've got worse. At drawing I have. Because I'm now, like I know what I like. Mm-hmm. And I just do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not like trying to paint, you know. Yeah, but I think that then that's the same conversation as we were having about your book. It's like you choose what to invest your time in and your skill in. So obviously you're going to be less practiced in a certain type of thing, but ultimately you're very, very good at what you do. So that's well, really cool. hopefully. So um, what have you been up to this week, BB? Um, I got my hair cut. I, yes, and BB, so you might have listened to a previous episode where we had a fight about me trying to get BB to have a asymmetric bob. Mm-hmm. 
Which um, I never went for, unfortunately. I have been trying to get her to have a proper bob for years. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just because you are too scared to cut your hair, so you want to live vicariously through me having short hair and it looking terrible. Well, would you agree that I actually look quite a lot like Fern Cotton? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you think I look like Fern Cotton? Not at all. Not at all. How can you say that? Not even to a degree do you look like Fern I Cotton. I look like Fern Cotton. Absolutely not. You don't. You don't. I'm not as thin as her, but if I was, I would have, I would be very, if I was thinner, I would it's look like... It's not at all about a uh, size thing. I my think nose, facially, no, you my don't My nose like and my jaw and my nostrils. You don't look like Fern Cotton. <laughs> you look like um, Binner from, from Big Brother. Kinga, not Kinga. Binner, Kinga. Um, Kinga from Big Brother. I guess. I'm a mix of Kinga you, and Fern Cotton. You look like Kinga from Big Brother. She's actually now a bodybuilder. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes I look, sense. I do look... Okay. <laughs> I want you to get a photo up of, of Fern We're going to get Kinga here and we're going to get Fern Cotton okay, here. So and you can comment to see which more Jessie looks like. I have identical nostrils to Fern Cotton. Anyway, she's had a bob recently Ooh. and she looks really good. So it's given me courage to maybe get a bob because I do see one of the questions here is Jessie's hair. Why is it so long? Yeah. Somebody just wanted to know, given that you have kids and given that you're a busy person, why do you choose to have such outlandishly long hair because i don't have time to get it cut i mean surely i mean a cut is a couple of hours it's not a couple of hours the last time i had my hair cut was in october 2018 and i was in there for a whole day yeah okay okay so okay. anyway you've had a nice haircut i my hair was very very damaged also i've um, had a lot of hair loss in the last year due to stress and dying mm-hmm. because dying hair is evil i haven't dyed my hair in over a year <laughs> it's not evil i just have a i have a i have a very um What's the word? Very strict view about Dying being hair. au naturel in every yeah. single way, apart from my, when it comes to vaginal hair. But yeah, <laughs> it's true when it comes to that. You like it to be <laughs> bold as a needle. Um, long, long up here. <laughs> nothing down there. It's, it's like the bottom half of your body is like you've been walked through like a laser. I just Crazy. imagine if I did have like a full, like a full bush down there, like it would just be too much. Do you know what would be so funny? If you were on that show Naked Attraction. <laughs> And they see the bottom half of your body first, and then suddenly it raises, and it's like, what is going on there? Well, no, my hair would have to go down. There's no consistency with the body hair on your body. No, I'm very bald. I'm bald everywhere apart from my hair. Yeah, makes sense. You also have such tiny little (laughs) eyebrows, too. It's so funny. Anyway. Keira Knightley had that haircut, so Mm -hmm. it's like a mid, BB's got like a mid-length bob. I really dislike it. It's a long bob. It was was the best, um, it was the best I could make of a a bad batch. The hairdresser said that, you know, my hair just was very poor quality at the end. It's super dry. It's kind of wavy. And she said that this would help with the condition. I'm just aiming to um, try and be able to grow it back to having nice thick ends again at some point. But it, I don't know. You just... I think you look much younger. Really? Yeah, I think it's really nice. And I and think really, it... really subtle. Do you think? Mm. I don't know. I guess I just have always wanted to have that sort of fairy princess long hair. But then I realized that... I don't know. You can look like a fairy princess You can have ways. a scruffy ponytail now. Like mm-hmm. Britney Spears used to. Yeah. Yeah. You can oh. have like a little top pony. Britney Spears is obsessed with her hair. Every video that she posts of herself on her Instagram is about her hair. Well, it's her commenting on how good or bad her hair looks. Really? Yeah, she's always saying, I feel really good about my hair today, so here's a video of me doing a dance. Aww. I know. I feel like she is actually just being her true honest self on her Instagram. Even if it's scary to other people, maybe that's just her way of expressing her, her... In a way, I think if you're a child actor or a child star, in a way you're kind of frozen in time. And 
she comes across incredibly sweet and innocent on her Instagram videos. Mm. So rather than people making this sort of rash judgment that she's crazy, mm. maybe that's just what the inside of her soul looks like. Yeah. It's sweet little dance videos and her talking about her hair. <laughs> so did you see the video of her jumping up and down in her exercise and then she broke her ankle? Oh no. Oh, oh my God. It was so bad. It oh really God. looked like it hurt. Oh, that sounds awful. I just, I have so much love for Britney Spears. Me too. I just, I really do wonder though, who is controlling her Instagram? I no think one. She, is. she is. I yeah. think she is. I think it's actually the first time in her life that she's had something that it's she's hers. in control of. And we're all a little freaked out. Because <laughs> it's, it's different too real. than what we were expecting. <laughs> but it's her. That's the real her. Mm. And we're being too judgmental. You can't watch Toxic and sing along to the words and then go on her Instagram and judge her. Yeah. I just you have to it, have both. I find it strange that she's... Um, her voice is like a baby. It's like a baby voice. She has a baby voice. But then I think, because I can't control sometimes my voice. Hi, I'm Brittany, and these are the questions that everybody wanted to know. Um, what's my favorite holiday? I think I like Halloween because I like to dress up, and it's scary, and I like to scare people. That's what's my really favorite book? <laughs> That's what she sounds Aww. like. Anyway. She's so sweet. I'd like to have her as my daughter. I hope my daughter. daughter I, like, I could just imagine her being my daughter. Don't you think? I wonder what Kev. Ked, what's, what's Kevin his name? K Fed. Mm-hmm. K Fed. What's he up to now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's hit. We what, we got loads of so questions. We were talking week. about. Oh, just don't 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 talk over me, please. Sorry. Um, we got loads of questions from Patreon and Instagram mm-hmm. this week, and we thought we'd uh, spend this episode answering a few. Mm-hmm. Some of them are pretty pretty shit mm-hmm. questions, actually, yeah. and I think you can do a lot better. Yeah, but that's fine. So we've done the Jesse's hair. Why is it so long? Uh, missing out on 20s <laughs> what somebody um asked if i feel like coronavirus coronavirus or i always say it really badly coronavirus somebody asked me if um i feel like coronavirus has a uh, like deprived me of a, a certain portion of my 20s you know well it's only been months so far i know i feel like though the lasting repercussions might have an impact on uh i don't know youthful night culture but i have to say i wasn't exactly one to hit up the clubs before it is terrifying though because if it does go on for a few years and things are closed and like even things like going to gigs and stuff are socially distanced um it does make me it is going to affect your a lot of your 20s i think it's going to impact uh work more and obviously social life is tied to work because if you feel good about the work you're doing if you have lots of work let's go going have on, a couple of cocktails let's, let's just go have a couple of cocktails after whereas now it's like oh i'm depressed because i have no work or no prospects so obviously i'm not going to go and hit up the clubs but the clubs aren't open anyway so mm. i guess you can, can say you yes my 20s are gone let's just write them off now i mean can you imagine going to a club now no it would be weird but i would like to go out dancing somewhere i think can you imagine going to a like a sweaty exercise class. No, I would hate that. But I hated that before anyway as well, so. I just, I, it's changed everything, It has it? definitely changed my outlook. Another question we had was about how we think our general outlook has changed because of lockdown. Do you think I definitely been... think my outlook has changed quite dramatically. Positively or negatively? Uh, I probably positively in the long run mm-hmm. because I definitely feel like my work outlook is entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm really fortunate because I have opportunities that aren't necessarily solely through live performance, which is obviously now massively jeopardized, but mm-hmm. I, I want to be happy. And I think that's become more of a priority in the, these few months as I've realized what do I need to be happy with such restrictions. So space is definitely one spending time with the kids and Alfie as, as much as possible, even though I think he would like a little bit less time. Um, <laughs> and 
things like certain things so oh it's just like really simple stuff but just like having a nice like a yoga mat that's actually like nice Mm -hmm. and some having um things that actually make me feel good in the house which I usually would have gone out of the house to get and then that would have delayed me coming home to my kids to and affected my entire day more so Mm -hmm. now I've just tried to make my life as compact as possible and have everything that I need under one roof and and have it be as sustainable as possible for my future why are you laughing at me (laughs) sorry I'm thinking of Kinga from Big Brother again (laughs) we need to look up Kinga because she's actually she's actually very different to me now yeah please can we look up Kinga (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry it's fine I mean she I I wonder do you think she thinks about the moment that she put the bottle up her vagina in Big Brother (laughs) every single day of her life because she probably does, you know? I just think of Big Brother as this beautiful time capsule. Mm. Because now, we, I think as a society, we're so much more self-aware that I think it would be unbearable to watch people roaming around <laughs> in the Big Brother house. Okay, so we've just been shown... Um, okay, so that's Kinga. That was when you were a teenager, you looked Yeah, like I did, and I did do the quiff thing. You did the quiff did thing. Like, you had the highlights on top and the dark hair below. You had the eyeliner, and it was just... Turquoise eyeliner, yeah. (laughs) No, it's good. It's fun cotton. But okay, Okay. you'll see. You will see. Okay, but if you look like a mixture of fun cotton and Kinga, who do I look like? You don't look like anyone in the world. That's very sweet. I think that you look much more unique than I do. Well, no, it's not that. No, but it's just yeah. I wasn't actually meaning to be sweet. Oh, so you were just saying that like it's kind of rude actually. (laughs) Great. I think you look like okay. Tell me that isn't an identical image. To me, if I had a bob. Look at her nostrils, look at her nose. That jawline is actually pretty similar to yours. Jawline and nostrils and, and, and her nose. And her nose. And you don't I... have the same eyes at all. Yeah, no, her eyes are different. She's got brown what eyes. What about her lips? Let me take a look at those lips. Hello. You actually do look really similar. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. If I was just I a little bit thinner. I stand corrected. And I did my glasses. That's a, do you know what? You made a sterling point there and I concede. See, she's one of these people on Instagram I had to unfollow because I found her life too amazing yeah. and I found it too upsetting. And her selfies were so, like, well done. Mm-hmm. So she would, like, show, like, um, just getting up in the morning at 6am with kids' yeah. selfies. Yeah. But then she would also obviously have a tripod mm-hmm. at the bottom of her really cool wooden stairs mm-hmm. and be able to pose in different ways of her outfits yeah. in a way that wasn't, like, disgusting mm-hmm. and too much. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I try to not unfollow people on Instagram. What I do is mute them. I mute the posts and the stories if I find their lives too um, upsetting yeah. to me. But then... The problem with that is if it's a friend of yours or someone that you vaguely know and you've had them muted for about six months to a year, you bump into them and I have no idea what they've actually been up to. Yeah. And it can be really embarrassing. But do you see, do you look at who's watched your stories? Oh yeah. And I read so much into it and I know that it's ridiculous because so many people just blandly watch through stories. But I mean, especially when I was like single and like in love with, you know, boys and stuff. The second that somebody looks at your story, you just instantly think, oh my God, he looked at my story because he loves me. But you they know? are in love with you if they watch your stories. I know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm convinced they of. They are in love with you. They that's are. what I'm convinced of. I have to t- train Alfie to not look at women's stories. Because it just, they're, they're going to think that he's in love with them. And if you are a woman who doesn't think that that person is in love with you, even if What's it's, wrong with you? Yeah, like, you're too cocky. Exactly, what happened to your soul? As you know, they're not cocky, they're, um... They're above it, they don't, need, they don't even need so to it. think about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So I've muted a load of people mm-hmm. recently and I still see them come up on my stories 
So like, that no, means in terms that... of they've watched it. Do you think they know that I've muted them? No, nobody would know that you've muted them. It's when people are hyper aware, they can tell. If you haven't watched their stories for a while, they might text you and be like, what, why did you mute me, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, I, I'm not great to my friends anyway, so it's fine. Anyway, I saw Fern Cotton come up on someone else's stories recently. And so I, I've kind of, I've, I've built up my confidence. Integrated her back into your life. integrate her back in. Mm-hmm. And She's I, your doppelganger. She's, we have the same nostrils after all. You do, have, and we have very different nostrils. Yeah, you're very lucky. You're no, very you're lucky. lucky. You have a beautiful no, 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 no. I d- that, we can do a whole podcast episode on my nostrils, but I don't want to Mum really... thought I had a lazy eye for two years because my nose is actually closer to one eye than it is to the other. So sometimes when I'm looking directly at someone, I look like I've got a slight lazy eye. All my favourite people have had lazy eye problems mm-hmm. in the past. Great. Um, so um, what, what's this one? Masks. Political? Somebody asking if uh, wearing masks or not should be... Um, politicized do we believe uh what do you mean should you have a political slogan on your mask no 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 no, no. um do we think that it's a political issue uh seeing people choosing to wear masks or not no but i do, i think the people who have who don't like their chins are f- so happy right now gotcha because they can just put their mask down there and they walk along i saw that celebrity singer what's his name tom odell mm-hmm. i saw him in the other day and he was inside just wearing his mask on his chin and i thought oh he doesn't like his chin yeah he's embarrassed <laughs> So he's lucky because he's now got, he has a chin camouflage. (laughs) (laughs) How to to maintain friendships as an adult? Well, it's difficult. It's difficult. I think I'm getting a lot better at checking in with people that I, uh, so I'm quite good at texting now. I make sure that I text people I like quite regularly. So even if I haven't seen them in months, I, they know that I'm interested and I care. And I think people sometimes get quite like scared that they're not going to get a reply. But I'm very good at replying and texting. So even if I don't see them physically, I think texting is a really good way of mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. I think um, I've always struggled with friendships. I either throw myself into them too much and get upset by, uh, I don't know, people not liking me as much as I like them or not being as integrated into a certain social group as I want to be. Um, so I'm either too keen or with people that are actually really great and nice, I don't make any effort whatsoever because I'm just not particularly used to it. So, um, I tend to, uh, act quite, um, jarringly with all of my friends and I apologize sincerely to any person I've ever interacted with. No, you're a really good friend. You're a much better friend than me, but that's because you're a cancer. That is, I mean, cancers are warm. Cancers are warm people, but they're very moody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. And changeable. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm a Taurus, so I don't really need anybody else. Apart yeah, you're grounded. From what my, the things that I absolutely depend on. Yeah. So because I've got you, because I've got our mum, because I've got Alfie and the kids, I've made my own little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then occasionally I let people in mm-hmm. and then I, 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 I force them out again. Sure. I think that we are lucky that we have each other because we don't need other people as much. That was a question that I got a lot on Instagram. It's about our relationship, about the way that does working together affect our relationship? Is there rivalry between us? You know, do we compare ourselves to each other constantly? Mm-mm. But I think because of the age gap and because of the way that we were raised, we've just come to build each other into our lives so much that sometimes we don't need friends as much as other people do because we have each other. No, and that terrifies me to think of an alternative because I, yeah, I wouldn't, I depend on you so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any jealousy career-wise with you as well. Yeah. <laughs> Great. 
<laughs> because you don't need to. I don't mean it like that. I'm not like, surprised. I know what I mean is like I just I I genuinely like I'm happy for you with all your things. You're happy for me with all my things. Sure, we work as one. I, you're, you I'm joking. Are, no, I'm fully other... fully supportive of everything that you do, and um, you're my we, other half. Exactly, we complete each yeah. other. I do feel really sorry for siblings who hate each other because that's yeah. like, it's such a hatred. It's a, such a particular type of hatred for, for when you're fighting with your sibling. Yeah. And if that's long term, I think that's really damaging. And I think given that what we've experienced, um, we now know the, the value um, of actually having a sibling in your life. Mm. No matter how complicated the relationship, you, you uh, make the most of it because a sibling is like a special witness to the exact upbringing that you've had. this like unique combination of parenting and environment and something that only people that you grew up with as a sibling would understand. Yeah, and I think that relates back to the lockdown outlook question because because of what's happened to us um, with our brother, like it, nothing matters. No. As long as you're alive and you're relatively happy and safe, nothing else matters. The exactly. little things that you would have worried about before are just insignificant now. Yeah, I remember, um, Last year, I was at a wedding, and um, this girl I was talking to was uh, really, really bitching about her brother um, and saying that they just had no similarities. She found him really, really annoying, and um, that she kind of just wanted to cut him out of her life because she didn't respect his lifestyle choices. And um, it got me so upset because the way she was talking about it was obviously, you know, somebody that hasn't experienced what it's like to lose someone, especially lose a sibling, lose a brother. Um, And I just kind of like not angrily told her, but like basically warned her, you don't know when that person's gonna be taken away from you. So you shouldn't say stuff like that. Yeah. And um, you should just appreciate your brother every second that he's in your life. Even if you are different, he's still there and you're not gonna have a relationship like that again. And I was quite proud of the way I put it and everything. And I put it respectfully and all this kind of stuff. And it just kind of went over her head. I don't yeah. think that she really got it. Well, I think the main thing to say to people who are fighting with their siblings is just to let that let that stuff go yeah. and text them. Yeah. Have a truce. Yeah, exactly. Because death happens. It does. It Unfortunately, does. guys. Sorry, but it does. Somebody messaged me a really, really funny message about, okay, I know this sounds a bit weird and random, but how do you cope with heartache? How do you stop eating peanut butter out of the jar? How do I stop um, hating him, but also at the same time wanting to have every single one of his babies and like go to a golf club and, and raise our children in a beautiful house? It was really funny. Aww. And... Um, I just was wondering what your thoughts were on heartache because you've obviously devoted a lot of creativity um, to heartache, but like in terms of how you think you've dealt with it as a person, because in terms of turning heartache into something creative, turning heartache into art, that's like a beautiful thing to do. That's a really empowering thing to do. And also it's like visual proof that you've not let that person destroy you. Like any person that's broken your heart, they can go and look at something that you've made into really successful, beautiful art and they can think, fuck, like, that's amazing. Do you think that's actually the best way to get back at somebody who's broken your heart, turn it into yeah, art? Yeah, but not everyone can write a one-moment play. That's true. So I don't think that's probably the best advice route to go down, but... Do you I, think that you actually handled it in real life as well as you did in your art? Um, no, and that's why I'm, I chose particular moments where... I was handling it to write about or the, f- the funniest moments where I was not handling it to mm-hmm. write about. Mm-hmm. But I, given that I, I never experienced heartbreak before breaking up with Alfie or him and us breaking up, mm-hmm. um, I, I cannot believe how painful it was. Mm-hmm. And given my experience with grief lately, 
um, I now realize that it's nowhere compared to grief, yeah. but um, it was it was a completely different, unique type of pain that mm-hmm. I just, I, I also, I have experienced heartbreak from unrequited love, yes, which is also completely different mm-hmm. to heartbreak when a, a really good, long-ish, relationship. substantial relationship, formative relationship ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially on top of that with a child. Yes. Two children. Because mm-hmm. Margot was only about 10 weeks old when we actually broke up, but we were breaking up for a few weeks basically after she she was born. Um, How do you think you dealt with it? I was, I was, it was so physical. The mm-hmm. entire thing was so physical. I was nauseous. I got really thin and I I wasn't really thinking clearly. And I, I, I really, I wrote everything down. I wrote every single song down, every single thing he said down. I just wrote everything down. I became slightly mad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but I think, think that, that was that... because the relationship wasn't meant to end. Yeah. So I, I would, I, I mean, maybe in my future, I'll have a relationship which is meant to end and I'll be able to experience a different type of heartbreak. But there are so many different types of heartbreak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think the unrequited um, heartbreak was kind of more painful in a way? Yes, because you're also dealing with the rejection and the disappointment from your fantasies Mm -hmm. being just silly. Just you just feel so silly. Because it's not just pain that the person doesn't love you back. It's humiliation that you believe that they did maybe for such a long time and when you see it as clearly as it is that this person wasn't actually holding your hand because they fancied you they were holding your hand because they felt so sorry for you for being so embarrassing yeah I remember very vividly sitting next to a person who ended up rejecting me and it being the worst unrequited love heartbreak I've had so far um I remember sitting next to him watching a show or something and I was like positive that he was vibrating Mm -hmm. like we were because he was so excited to be next to me I thought, oh my God, he's shaking. He's actually shaking. He's, he's like, he's so, he fancies me so much that he's like literally, Quivering. he's like shaking. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Sexy thigh tap. Um, well, I just kind of did that at one point. And I think he didn't do anything with my hand on his leg. I think he was really put off. Um, but I had cultivated everything in my head. Mm-hmm. And that was the main heartbreak, dealing with the, the fall from that. Why do you think he was shaking? Because he was just probably drunk a lot of coffee or something. Okay. Also, men do tend to shake quite a lot. They can't sit still. They can't sit still. You yeah. Are, that's an advice to all you young girls out there. Don't mistake a man's shake for <laughs> his heart beating. It's just because men are very unstable. They can't sit still. They just can't sit still. So yeah, it, there's so many different types of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. You haven't ever experienced it, have you? You've only experienced unrequited heartbreak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was horrendous I think because the high of um thinking that I was in love with this person was so manically crazy I remember sitting in the back seat of um our mum's car looking at her in in the mirror and saying mummy we're going to get married (laughs) (laughs) you genuinely you you went mental during that period of time I remember when he finally texted you back yeah in that week. And also, you had made him up. Because yeah. he wasn't that great. No, 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 no. He wasn't that great at all. At all. But he's shown a bit of interest. A bit of interest. Texted me a lot. And you just grabbed along. He was, grabbed one of those, him. he was one of those early texters. Mm. Finds out who you are. Meets this new person. Texts you all the time. 
made me crazy. No boy had ever texted me in such a funny, cool, witty way. No boy had ever like gone out of his way to show such love and interest. And then when he asked me to help him out with all these administrative tasks, I thought that's so exciting. He wants me to be a part of his life. He respects my my opinion and my values. And you're his wife. And I'm his wife now. Like we do things together. We go to the office. Mm. Um, Actually, this is a good topic, mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. Because you are much more traditional with me in lots of ways. You you believe in marriage. Sure. Yeah. I would and love. And you want to get married. I would love to get married, yeah. Yeah. I would oh, love it's it. It's just not going to happen for you. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is. I can see it. I can see no, it. No, 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 no. But it's like, I you think. You want to get married. That's so pathetic. I know. I know. That's so fucking pathetic. But the thing is, I, I'm not sure that I love the idea of being like, I don't really care that much about like the wedding and stuff. Which is, I think, what a lot of girls get caught up on, like the idea of what your dress is going to be like and the music and all this kind of stuff. I just really like the idea of being married, of like having somebody that you um, share this life with and belong to and stuff. <laughs> I yeah, I just I, it's so strange because I've never ever fantasized about it. Mm -hmm. I've ne have you have you ever fantasized about your wedding? Yeah, really. How recent? How recently have you fantasized your wedding? So sometimes, like you know, Spotify shuffle. Cool. Let's see what happens. Maybe a nice romantic song comes on. I might be thinking about my first dance. Sometimes <laughs> I'm thinking, did we rehearse it? Did we go to those really embarrassing wedding dance classes where we like, like learn a special dance for it? But then oh at the same God. time, that's embarrassing. I don't want to do that. But I also don't want my first dance to be really poor. Like he's so, he's so much taller than me. Like I don't want it to be like really embarrassing. Oh my gosh, for dancing. <laughs> Sometimes I think about these it's things. It's so funny though, because even almost three kids in yeah. with Alfie, you're like, mm, I wonder if he'll commit. <laughs> like, is he my boyfriend? <laughs> is, does he? Does he know my surname? <laughs> um, no. I guess in a way, it shows that I have quite a lot of self confidence, despite how like like cripplingly anxious and sort of insecure I am in other ways the, uh, this unfaltering belief that I have that I'm going to get married one day in a big romantic gesture is kind of symbolic of the fact that I do believe that I deserve for, but to but that's be really nice and I, I just, think I have been stamped out of that yeah and we have, we've come from a broken home in a way mm. so I think that anybody whose parents are separated maybe subconsciously even if you don't admit it yourself is going to want some sort of like romantic unity yeah but that's really interesting because I don't consider it a broken home really? at all no I just, I just don't have any faith in any relationship succeeding. Mm -hmm. okay. Any relationship, like apart from with, with, with children. With, with well, apart from people that I, I are in my life and I adore. adore. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't see. I have such low hope. I have in my life. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's so weird. Yeah. Because I've always been like that. I've yeah. always been so pessimistic about my my future yeah i think oh, good things happening yeah but you're type a and i'm type b so i feel like you're more realistic you don't let things sort of get out of hand in terms of your imagination and your expectations but weirdly that kind of allows you to go further whereas with me despite the fact that i'm really lacking in motivation sometimes and i constantly start things and then don't finish them and i have all these kind of like anxieties and insecurities i still have like these locked box things that I put on such a pedestal like marriage and romance and like you know future career success that I actually do still believe in you know I actually have like there's one part of my brain that's like incredibly confident and sort of ambitious which is very I, yeah funny. I wonder in a couple of years if that will be gone gone I think it will it's but to I don't out. I don't know if it will I think it's really good I think that that would be I would be a lot a, I would be a nicer person if mm -hmm. I had that level mm -hmm. of hope mm -hmm. but um it's funny because he 
we were driving somewhere the other day and he's, we drove past a place where I had seen someone ages ago going into a shop to try on a wedding dress. Mm. And it triggered in my mind the, a thought I'd, I'd never had about trying on a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. I, I never even considered me in a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And so I jokingly was like, uh, when are you going to ask me to marry you? Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, we were alone. We didn't have the kids with us. Because they, they, funny enough, do talk about marriage mm-hmm. a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think that we're married, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so sweet. And Margaret's at that age where she's like, she, she talks about weddings and films and she wants me to practice wedding dances with yeah. her and do yeah. like wedding kisses. It's yeah. very, um, so you're seeing it from the completely other end, mm-hmm. which is not that far away from you. No, <laughs> it's exactly the same, actually. <laughs> anyway, so I said something like about marriage to him and then it brought it, it, it began a discussion about actually getting married. Mm-hmm. And I, I quickly realized that he absolutely does not want to get married. Mm-hmm. But like, I've always known that because mm-hmm. he's been married before and stuff. And I know that he's a bit like, you know, traumatized maybe by the, the system of marriage and divorce. Um, even though he's, you know, he got married very, very young. Uh, and he had kids very, very young. I think he's just a bit tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he just needs to just slow down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so I, I, I was like, oh right, okay. But it was so weird because I, it hadn't. I'd never thought about how nice it would be to get asked. Mm-hmm. It would be nice. Maybe the it would be nice to be asked. You, you say, yeah. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? It would just be a nice moment. Maybe it would be flattering. I would, but the, I would ruin it. I would absolutely ruin the moment because I would laugh. Like when he told me he loved me for the first time, I laughed, and mm-hmm. he was crushed, and he still brings it up. So yeah. I know I would laugh. Mm-hmm. But now we know he's not going to ask me, so it's fine. I think maybe you, the reason why you said that you never thought about it, never imagined yourself trying a wedding dress, never imagined yourself at a wedding, is because you didn't actually want to have to come to that conclusion if it was likely to happen or not. Not thinking about it is another way of not really dealing with it. Whereas with me, like, um, I don't know, I think about it a lot, or at least I think about it more than you do. <laughs> um, but I'm like prepared for the idea that actually that could or could not happen. So maybe I'm more realistic than you are. No, I, d- I, d- I will not get married. So I know I'll that. never be your maid of honor. No, but I'll be yours. I better be yours. Of course. I don't have any friends. I'd be, I'd be so good at organizing weddings. Mm. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know any like names of flowers or anything. Yeah, I, I know. know them. I don't know what people do. Um, you know, to like organize all the stuff and everything. I would like to have like a cool, uh, if we did like, have, we could have a fake wedding. Yeah. Where you, you don't, don't sign anything legal. You don't sign anything legal. Yeah. That, then he would be fine with that because he likes drinking. Exactly. So he could just get drunk. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That'd be so fun for you guys. <laughs> yeah.